Anybody making resolutions this year? Raise your hands. Anybody make resolutions? All across the place. You know, after you get 60, I think you should quit making resolutions, you know? Because if you haven't figured it out by then, hey, right? But all these things you saw up there, I resolve, I'm going to try this, I'm going to fix this. How many of you have a leaky faucet in your home? Okay. This year, resolve to get, get it fixed, you know? If your husband can't do it, get somebody who can. Or get some of the women can fix leaky faucets. I don't know. All these things that were mentioned up here are things that are they're not bad things. We need to resolve to do some things, right? Some of you, you know, you've resolved, I'm going to give up this, I'm going to quit that, I'm going to start this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to eat healthy this year, and, and after this next meal, I'm going to eat healthy, right? And, and we, we all have these plans, you know, that you go to estate sales, go to garage sales. You know what the number one product in garage sales and estate sales is? Exercise equipment, you know, because they, the resolve didn't last very long. But the greatest resolve that any of us can have are the, greatest, are the things that God has called us to resolve to do. To fix our eyes on Jesus. To run the race that is marked before us. To deny ourselves. To take up our cross daily and follow Him. That's the great resolutions. And I believe for Freedom Fellowship this year, we are going to walk in a deeper level of faith than we've ever walked in before. Amen? I'm not talking about a few of us. I'm saying all of us. I love the 100% attitude. I don't think it's just for a few. I don't think 20% of the people should do 80% of the work. I'm not in agreement with that. I don't believe that 20% of the people should be the tithers and the rest of them. No, I believe that all of us should do everything that God's called us to do. You know why? Because it's possible through Him. In and of ourselves, we're not going to be able to do all these things. Like Aaron was sharing, I'm not strong enough. I'm not, we're, not, we're not faithful enough. We're not all these things. But in Christ, through Christ, we are, Right? We're not perfect, but we are under the blood and covered by the perfect one. Amen? So today we're going to go into the set part two of It Is Well With My Soul. If you weren't here last week, man, there's so many people left here with a resolution. It is well with my soul, no matter what things look like. And we had the altars were flooded with people. This morning in the service, after when the first altar call, many people that weren't here last week, they said, I can't say it is well with my soul, Pastor. They came forward for prayer. We had prayer time, prayer time. We had all the intercessors, all the life group pastors, all the ministry team. We needed everybody up here because there's so many. You maybe walked in here this morning and you were thinking of all the crud that was going on in your life and you had no idea that he was the pastor was going to preach on it as well with my soul. And you come in here today, you know, man, that's not well with my soul. See, our soul is our mind and our will and our emotions. Say mind, will, and emotions. That's our soulish realm. When you accept Christ, when Jesus Christ comes in, really the Holy Spirit comes in, His Spirit comes in and takes over your spirit, man. He takes residence up in your spirit. And the rest of your life, from the moment you, you come into the kingdom of God, from the moment of salvation, the rest of your life is the process of the Spirit of God reforming, reshaping, and remaking your soulish realm, your mind and will and emotions, because God wants us to be conformed to Him. He wants us to look like Him, right? So that's what the process of life is this. There's a scripture in Philippians that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Work it out. And that word salvation there also means deliverance. So our life process after we come to Christ is he wants our soulish realm, our mind, our will, our emotions, our imaginations, all those things that the enemy likes to attack us, where he likes to attack us. God wants us to be brought under in submission to his will. 
That's what the process is. I believe that this year was going to be a great step. There are going to be great leaps of faith by this body of believers. We are going to see miracles that we've never seen before. We're going to see people uh, healed and set free and delivered like we've never seen before. Do you, would you all agree with me for that? Amen. Come on, get a hallelujah or something. See, right, well, faith is, is, is the key. What we need to walk this walk out and live this life out is faith. The only way we can say it is well with my soul is because we have the faith that God has put within us. He's given each one of us a measure of faith. Say, I have a measure. Now, how, how do we get faith? Romans, Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God. So we all have the opportunity. All have, we all have the wherewithal to receive faith. If we, have, if we can hear and if we can read and God wants to dispense and deposit a measure of faith in every believer. So are you a believer this morning? Then you've got faith. Some of you may not be walking in, but you've got faith. The deposit is there, I promise you. And then he says, if you've got real faith, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, real faith, like that song said, that moves mountains. If we've got that real faith, then there will be action attached to that faith. In James 2, 26, as far as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. God wants our faith to be put into action. Listen, if you say, I've got faith, but there's no action, there's no fruit. Listen, you're not walking in much faith. Because when you really have faith, you will do things that advance the kingdom of God. You will see things happen in the spirit that you've never seen happen before and in the physical that you've never seen happen before because real faith has action coming alongside it. Amen? So last week I talked about Jesus in the boat with the disciples. They had left, they had left Galilee and they had gone on the sea or the lake. They had crossed over. Jesus always went everywhere he went. He went with purpose. I preached this sermon a while back that after he left, after they got out of the boat, after, you know, the wind came up and the storm came up and Jesus spoke and said, peace be still. And, and, and after they got out of the boat, he then went to the, the Gadarene demoniac came up to Jesus. Remember that? I preached a sermon on that. And, and I, the sermon was this. Jesus has an appointed time, and God the Father said, now's the day that the gathering demoniac is going to be set free. Get in the boat and go. Don't matter what. And Jesus, when he got in the boat, what did he say? We're going to the other side. See, if Jesus is in the boat with you and he says we're going to the other side, guess where you're going? To the other side. So they got there. Even though the enemy tried to tear them, to take them apart, they got there. He, the, the, the demoniac was healed. Uh, he wanted to go back with Jesus, but Jesus said, no, you go tell, tell, go tell everybody about me. And he went to ten cities. God does everything with purpose. Then he, can't, he told the pigs to go and what? He told the demons to go into the pigs. And the, what did the pigs do? They committed suicide. Right. They jumped off into the lake. I want to wait for the ones that didn't get it yet. Ah, yes, suicide. He's supposed to be a Razorback. They went into the lake. And when, when they did that, everybody was upset because that was their livelihood. Pigs were their livelihood. Any pig farmers here? You know, you'd been upset if all your pigs ran off into the ditch and they died. So they told Jesus, leave, please leave. Nice of you to get here, but please leave. He got back in the boat and went back to the other side. That's where the story begins today, Luke 8, verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Man, he was, he was popular, okay? And behold... There came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Setting the stage for this, Jesus is, they're, they're, they're just 
So many people wanting to get close to him. He is, he, the, the miracles, the, the stories have been going out. Who knows, the, the, the demoniac story might have already reached back across the shore because all these people, remember, they followed him in boats. And they were coming back, and there's an excitement in the air. But there's this man, and he is, his name is Jarius, and he is a ruler of a synagogue. Now, rulers of the synagogue did not get along with Jesus very well. Matter of fact, they were told to stay away from this guy because he is, he's teaching something that we're not teaching. They were questioning him all the time, and, and they were trying to find fault with Jesus all the time. But this man had a daughter. She was 12 years old. Say 12 years old. 12 years of age, and, he's, and now all of a sudden there's a death sentence on her. She is laying in her bed, and she is dying. Tell me what dad would not go to whatever extreme he had to go to to find help for their daughter at the age of 12 or whatever their age would be if they were dying. Wouldn't you, dads, wouldn't you go after whatever help you could get? Would it bother you if it, it crossed some lines? And would it bother you if it wasn't popular to go and find some help? Man, you're going to go find some help. Now, here's a guy. He's a religious dude. He's a ruler of a synagogue. And he comes and he finds Jesus. And look what it says. He fell down at Jesus' feet. Desperation drove this man to worship Jesus. You say, worship? No, he just fell down and he's at his feet and he's begging him. That's worship. He had to humble himself. Can you imagine the thought process the enemy would like to keep us from humbling ourselves and getting in the presence of Jesus? And he's always trying to keep us from being in the presence of Jesus. And desperation drove this man to worship Jesus. Listen, I'm telling you, desperation will get some people to Jesus, right? That's not God's plan that we have to get desperate to get to him. He wants us to come to him because we love him and when we, want, we adore him and we want to worship him. But sometimes it's circumstances in our life. All of a sudden we find ourselves in the back, our backs against the wall. The boat's going down. The, the bank account's empty. The marriage is falling apart. The kids are on drugs. And all of a sudden we're desperate. We say, oh, Jesus, only you can help me. And that's where he came to this place in his life. He said, there's only one man that I know that can help my daughter. And his name's Jesus, and I heard he's in town. And I bet you he didn't just saunter up to Jesus. I bet he was running to Jesus, and he was pushing through people because he wanted his daughter to be healed. He did not want his daughter to die. He fell down at Jesus' feet. He begged him to come to his house because it was his only child. His only child. Jesus is asking for us. Listen, he's calling for worshipers. I believe 2015 is going to be a breakthrough year for worship at Freedom Fellowship. Amen? Listen, worship is more than what you think it is sometimes. Worship is more than coming and singing a few songs on Sunday morning. Worship is your lifestyle. The word worship itself, there's two basic meanings for worship. One of the, one of the means is a very intimate word that means to kiss. It's intimate. And the other one is to give worth to. I believe that both of those apply in John 4. John 4, 23 and 24, when Jesus approached, or the woman at the well approached Jesus, and he asked her to give him water, and she began to question him, and he began to show her her life. Man, she was just blown away by this man who he was a great man. He said, she thought maybe he's a prophet or something. And this is what he said. He said to, but the hour is coming. Listen, the hour is coming. Do you all know that? Then now is, now is the hour when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. He is looking for worshipers. God does not need our worship. No more than He needs our money. He doesn't need anything from us. You know why God wants us to worship Him? Because He knows the thing that we worship or the object of our worship is who we become like. 
The more you get into his presence, the more you bow in his presence, the more you cry in his presence, the more you get alone with him, the more you will become like him. It's for us. When we come to this place, we're adoring him. We're honoring him. And he says, listen, the more you adore me, the more you honor me, the more you're going to look like me. The more you're going to look like my son. So God is calling us to, I believe, a new level of worship, not just corporately, but, but personally. Going down the highway, when the roads are iced over, some of you were really worshiping this week, right? Oh, God, please don't let that guy hit me. You know, you were, you were really getting intimate with the Lord. You didn't care what that guy next to you was thinking when he saw your mouth moving. You were praying, you know, praying in tongues, going down the highway. You didn't care because you wanted, you, wanted, you wanted an audience with the Lord. Lord, I need you now because I'm seeing people going like this, ooh, 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 you know. I'm seeing cars in the ditch. So we, we have to come to this place. God has called us, and he's seeking for us to come to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must, not, not shall or may. He says they must worship in spirit and in truth. Now listen, desperation might drive you to Jesus, but thankfulness and the acknowledging who he is will keep you there. You might get there by, by desperation, but listen, God wants us to always continually be acknowledging him and who he is in our life every day, every moment of every day. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways do what? Acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Want to have an intimate time of worship with the Lord? Just acknowledge God. You are my provider. My boss is not my provider. God, you're my healer. The hospitals aren't my healer. God, you're my deliverer. I can, you know, I can go through a 12-step program, but you're the one that ultimately is my deliverer. And we have to begin to acknowledge who he really is in our life. If you don't acknowledge that he is certain things in your life, guess what? He won't be those things in your life. It's the same as if you don't believe in miracles, you're not going to see any unless you hear some secondhand story. Desperation may bring you to Jesus, but listen, what will keep you there is adoration and praise and lifting up his name and acknowledging who he is. Luke 8, 42, the second part of that says, but he, as he, that was Jesus, went to go to Jairus' home, the multitudes thronged him. They thronged him. That by, the word thronged him in Greek, that means they crushed him practically. Ever been in a, in a uh, stadium and you're leaving a football game or you're coming into a football game or you're going to a concert, you get into the crush of the crowd, you're like, wherever they go, you're going to go, right? You ever been in one of those situations? That's where Jesus was just... They were crushed. They were, they were thronging him. They were on him on every side. And now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the hem or the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. She knew she was healed immediately. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude's strong and press you, and you say, who touched me? Come on, let's, let's remember these are just real guys. And Jesus, he would ask questions, wouldn't he? He'd just ask questions. And I can imagine the, really the look on Peter and James and John's face when there's just crowd of people, and Jesus is right in the middle, and there's dust flying, you know, because they didn't have paved roads, and, 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 and everybody's just strong around, Jesus, 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 hollering his name, and then he's, and he stops and goes, who touched me? Peter like, uh-oh, he's going there again. Uh, uh, Jesus, um, I don't know if you know this. I know you know a lot about a lot. <laughs> he hadn't really declared that he was the son of God yet. It's a little bit later. He said, 
I'm thinking, Jesus, there's a lot of people. I don't, there's a lot of people touched you. What do you mean? Who touched you? Where, where are you going with this? And this is what Jesus said. Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Somebody touched him, and he, Jesus felt. Remember, he was not just fully God. He was fully what? Man, and he felt the power of the Holy Spirit go out of him. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. I, I want to stop right there. In Mark, when you go to Mark five thirty-two. It says Jesus looked around to see her who had done this thing. Okay, so when the woman saw that she was not hidden, in other words, Jesus' eyes locked on her like, I see you. Isn't it amazing? Crowd of people. One woman, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus turned around and felt the power go out of him. He said, I see you. You, you, You've not gone unnoticed. He sees you this morning. You're not unnoticed. When you press in, and that's what I want us to get to, as a, as a body of believers, that we're going to be that, those people that press in. And he said, I see you. She came trembling. She fell down before me. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Now, I want you to understand, if a woman had an issue of blood during that time, they were called what? Unclean. As a matter of fact, they were supposed to not even be out in public. And if they were out in public, it was kind of like a leper. Unclean, unclean. Don't touch that lady. Woo! Stay away from her. Unclean. She, by faith, said, I've got to touch the one who is clean. And you know what happens when the unclean touch the clean? The clean become unclean. I think this is a beautiful picture. We are unclean. We touch the one who is clean, and we don't make him unclean. She did not make Jesus unclean because he is always clean, but he made her clean. His stripes made us clean. The cross, the blood made us clean. It didn't make him unclean. He, didn't never, he never sinned. He became sin for us. He never became unclean in the sense that we would think. And she came up and she touched Jesus. Now, I want to I share something with you. I think this is so important. And we even had some people come up this morning for prayer. Some people, some people bump into Jesus. Some people really touch him. Some people just bump into Jesus. Oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Some people just bump into him. Some people... Some people just sing songs. Some people worship him. Some people read the Bible. Oh, I got to read this scripture. Pastor said we ought to read the Bible. Some people read the Bible, take the Bible in, and live the Bible. Some people pray. Oh, God is great. God is good. Let's think about it. Some people, God, thank you. They really pray. Thank you for. Providing a house over, a roof over my head. Thank you for pro- providing gas and heat in my home when it's 20 degrees. Thank you for a vehicle that gets me where I need to go. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my... Some people really pray. And some people just bump into Jesus. Oh, God, God bless. Thank you, Jesus. Love you. I'm out of here. 
See you next Sunday. Some people just bump him to him on Sunday. They never even touch him. There's a difference, church. Crowd of people all around Jesus touching him, bumping into him. One woman said, I got to touch him. Would that be your heart's cry in 2015? I want to touch the hem of his garment. Here's the deal, guys. If you're going to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, for whatever the need is you have in your life, you might have to just go low. You might have to get down. That's what worship is. You might have to, because she had to get low to touch the hem. The hem of his garment wasn't up here. It was down here. It was, the, it was in the dirt. That's where she had to go. She had to risk humility. I mean, she had to risk everything, especially the thing about being unclean. She had to risk what everybody else thought about her. She said, I know I've got to go, and I've got to touch the hem of his garment. Would you be willing this year to say, I am going to do whatever it takes to get where God wants me to get? I'm really going to worship him this year. Jesus said to her daughter, you know how many times Jesus called somebody daughter in the New Testament? Take a guess. Once, right here. I love that. I don't know about you. I just love that. Daughter. She came unclean, sick, unhealthy, risking everything. And she felt healed. She knew she was healed. Jesus felt the power go out of him. And he looked at her and said, daughter, daughter. So he's looking at you today. He's calling you daughter. He's calling you son. We just receive what he's trying to speak to us today. He said, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Write this down. Faith is the key that, that unlocks the door of peace. If you really want to say it is well, you have got to unlock the door to peace. And that comes through your faith. He said to her, he said, your faith has made you well. Who healed her? Her faith did not heal her. Guess who healed her? Jesus healed her. Her faith got her into his presence. He said, your faith has made you. Your faith has made it clear to you that you are now well. Because you've come to the presence and you felt the power leaving me. You know that you're healed. You can say this morning, it is well with my soul. If you're willing to just come and touch the hem of his garment. I believe that 2015 for this body of believers is going to be the year that we really touch the heart of Jesus. When we truly press in and go deeper, you know how you go deeper? You know how you press with Jesus? You yield yourself more and more. And you seek to be in His presence. The Bible says, if you seek me, you will what? Find me. He said that. If you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. So while he was speaking... Someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, i got bad news for you, Jairus. Your daughter's dead. You don't need to trouble Jesus anymore. Leave the rabbi alone. He's, he's pretty busy. He's got a lot of people hanging around him. A lot of people want his attention. Sorry, she's dead. If you're a dad here this morning or a mom this morning, and you knew that Jesus, if you could just get Jesus there, and your, your, your child was laying on a sick bed, and you could just get him there, but he stopped off to heal somebody else. You think you might have been going, grabbing the hem of his garment? Jesus, come on. 
She's dying. Jesus, I can't wait. See, sometimes we think we've got to force Jesus to get somewhere where he's not, it's, it's not his timing. And, and, and I think if I'd have been the dad, if it would have been me and, and it was Tressie on the deathbed, I'd say, Jesus, she's healed, let's go. <laughs> but here's what I think Jesus was doing. He was setting Jairus up for success. He said, I want you to see what I can do. See this woman, 12 years Spent all of her money, blew all of her money on doctors and all these medications. Ask her about herself now. I'm healed. I believe that there was a testimony of this, of this woman's healing that affected that man that day. And he said, you know what? Come on, Jesus. They said she's dead. It doesn't matter. I see what you're doing. I see who you are. I know who you are. I submit to you. I want you to come to my house. Yeah, but, 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 but other people, she's dead. Don't bother me. I don't care. Listen, we need to be speaking the testimonies of faith that God is doing something in our life because you have no idea who else might be listening. And said, so I'm going to grab hold of that. He had a choice to make that day. See, we have choices to make. We can either say, well, I don't believe that God's, he's not interested in healing. Or we can say, listen, Jesus, come to my house. Some of you don't even want him in your house. And God says, I want to be in your house. I want to do some great and marvelous things in your home. When Jesus heard the report, he answered him saying, and this is to Jairus. He says, he said two things. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. How many times did Jesus say that in the Bible? Murray? Don't be anxious. Don't be, be not afraid. All the, over and over and over, he would tell us not to be afraid. I think that means it is well with my soul. I have peace that passes understanding. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Just believe. How many times have we just wanted just to believe and some, for some reason we couldn't because we heard a bad report or this a negative thing, or I prayed for them, they didn't get healed, and so we just back off. But listen, God is not done with us yet. He's not through with me. He's not through with you yet. You still breathing? The wife's nudging us, wake up. We're supposed to be alive. <laughs> oh, yeah. <sighs> We're breathing. If you're breathing, God's not finished with you yet. Okay? And even if you quit breathing, he can make you breathe again. He said, don't be afraid. Only believe she will be made well. You and I have choices every day. What are we going to do with the promises of God? We're going to believe him? Are we going to walk in faith or fear? It's really a choice. I've never actually witnessed anybody being raised from the dead. Anybody in here seen somebody being raised from the dead? I'm talking physically, not spiritually. Physically raised from the dead. Do y'all believe it's still possible? And I'm not so sure that the, the guy, the lady you prayed for, Brandy, that, that that didn't happen. I'm not sure. I'm believing that God still can do those things. But he's going to use us to do it. I believe that God still heals. Am I against doctors and hospitals? Absolutely not. But the ultimate healer is Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think we go to the doctors first. Or we grab the, the pill bottle first instead of consulting Dr. Jesus, who actually is free. <laughs> I 
I do. I think some, and I think we've all been guilty of that, right? Got a headache? It's just easier to take a pill than believe God's going to heal me. I had pain the other day in my body from, from the surgery I had. I was telling Mary Lynn, I said, I have pain. I just, I just said, in Jesus' name, pain, go. You know what happened? The pain went. I'm not saying it happens every time. But if I didn't ask, if I didn't say it, didn't speak it, I'm sure it wouldn't have happened. You know, I looked at this sermon and I thought, well, let's read a few more scriptures and I'll tell you. 51, almost through. When he, that's Jesus, came to his house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John. That was his inner circle. That was his buds. That's the ones he trusted the most. That's the ones that went on the mountain with him, Mount Transfiguration. And then he also had the father and the mother of the girl because I'm sure they wanted their daughter to live. Wouldn't you think? Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. He put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. See, what they had back then was professional mourners. You, how would you like that job? Well, on your resume, I'm a good crier. I'm a good wailer. Oh, you're hired. We're paying uh, $10 an hour. We got a, uh, Jairus' daughter heard that, uh, heard that uh, the little Tabitha died, and y'all just y'all go down over there and just start weeping and wailing and be sure and punch the clock. Oh, oh, they just started weeping and wailing and, oh, just crying and all this and, Jesus walks into the scene. You know what? He always messed up every funeral he ever went to. Everyone, even his own. And I'm thinking these guys are going, well, we're getting paid to do this. And he said, just be quiet. Shut up. She's not dead. I didn't see John Barrio. I saw his wife here this morning. I thought it was part of the package at funeral homes if you had to. You know, you go and pick out a casket, and you have to have an escort if you want to escort. And this. What do you have? Professional mourners. 2500 bucks. Oh, no, we'll, we'll mourn on our own. <laughs> they don't have that, but they actually still do that in parts of the world. They're just they're paid to mourn. I was just wondering, when he raised her from the dead, if they reverted to, we're, we're now paid to cheer. <laughs> We're good cheers, too. Yay, she's alive. That's just the way I think. I'm sorry. Here's the point I want to make here. Jesus said, Peter, James, and John, you come with me, mother and daughter. You come with me, everybody else. Out of the room. You know what he didn't want in the room? Unbelievers. He didn't want doubters. He wanted these guys that had been walking with him that had seen the miracles, and he wanted the mother and father that their hearts cry was that their daughter get up. And he said, she is not. Dead, she's just sleeping. I used to have a, I used to have a problem with that. I would read them, well, Jesus, she really was dead. They just said she was dead. You know she was dead. But you know what it says in John 11? That we never die. Jesus said that. Her spirit was alive and well, even though her body might have been getting cold. Right? Because her spirit, listen, her spirit had to return to her. Jesus had to call her spirit back. Now, this is pre-resurrection. So I believe that when we die now, that immediately... It says to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. But before the resurrection, I believe maybe that they had to go to that holding place. You know what I'm talking about? It's called Hades. Good places and bad places. There's an upper and a lower level there. 
But I believe that her, her spirit was probably going to that place. And Jesus said, no, 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 come back. <laughs> Look what he said. Then her spirit returned. She arose immediately. And he commanded that she begin something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but charged them to tell no one what was happening. Here's what I want to share with you right now. If you look in 1 Corinthians 15, there's a scripture there. You might think, well, why would he quote this scripture? It says this. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Am I talking fast enough? <laughs> Evil company corrupts what? Good habits. Why would I put that inject that scripture there? Because here's the deal. If you want to see the Lord move in, in powerful ways, if you want to be able to walk through life and say, it is well with my soul, even when everything looks bad around you, you better surround yourself with people of faith. Because if you surround yourself with the naysayers and the negative, oh, you know what, we pray, that doesn't work. Listen, don't count on that happening. This is going to happen. It's going to be that way. Listen, if you surround yourself with naysayers, you know what your life is going to be like? You will come to the place where you're saying, it is not well with my soul because they told me it wasn't. God's saying one thing, but your friends, quote, unquote, are telling you something else. Here's, what I'm, here's my suggestion. Get away from them. Tell them to leave unless you're married to them. If you're married to them, you need to be praying for them. Not dictating their life, not being the Holy Spirit police, but begin to pray for them. Right? Because I'm not, you don't, don't leave here and say, well, the pastor said we, gotta, we, can, we can divorce because we don't agree. That's just not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you don't agree and if, if, if your husband or your wife, one or the other, is always there saying this is going to happen, this is bad, the kids are bad, this is that, and they're always negative and they're always putting you down and always tearing you down, you need to pray for them because you're already with them. God does not like divorce. Matter of fact, the Bible says he hates it. But a lot of you are surrounded with friends, and I'm, I use that word very loosely, that never speak life into you. They just speak death. Their words are negative, negative, negative. You might want to reevaluate who your friends are. You might really want to take a look at that. Because, listen, if you want to walk in faith, and, 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 let's, and, and if, if there's no way you can get away from them, begin to speak life to them. And you, there's a word that we use. <laughs> it's a Christian word. When they start speaking death to you, rebuke them. Rebuke them. When the doctor comes in and gives a negative report, you don't have to go, well, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you don't have to be that way. You don't have to be offensive about it. Okay? In the same way, you don't have to do that with your friends. Just, you know what? I don't receive that. Now, what do you mean you don't receive that? You know what? I just believe the report of God. I, I believe the promises of God. Begin to witness to them in that situation. And pretty soon you'll either find out they're leaving you because they think you're nuts or they'll start listening to you and go, wow, I never thought about it like that. Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now you might say, Pastor, it's easy to say it is well when the healing takes place like it did in the woman. It's easy to say it is well when... The child that was dying or dead was raised back to life. That's so easy to say as well. So why would you preach this message? Because first of all, I want to encourage you and me that even when it doesn't look like the healing's going to take place or the dead are going to be raised, that we will be a people that presses in and touches the hem of his garment and trust him that we will not be afraid but will believe.
that he's still king of kings. He's still Lord of lords. The wind, the waves, and the, way, and the, waves and the wind still obey him. Okay? He has not changed. But I want to encourage us to, as we go into this next year, to believe for the supernatural more than we've ever believed for the supernatural before because we believe in God. And we believe God. We believe his word is true. We're not going to tear out the pages that we don't like. God is looking for people who will not be afraid and only believe. No matter what the consequences, no matter what they look like, no matter how the prayer hat ends, he's still looking for a people of faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. It's a great acronym for faith, but I found another one I liked equally or maybe better. For anything impossible, trust him. For anything impossible, trust him. The one with the issue of blood looked impossible. For the girl that died, really impossible. God relishes to step into situations that look impossible and turn everything upside down. Would you stand this morning? I need all the ministry team up. Prayer, uh, life group pastors, ministry team, all the way across the front. Every one of you, no holding back. Everyone. It's a good crowd. A lot of folks here today. You must have read Facebook. <laughs> There's no better way to start out the new year than being fellowshipping, being in the presence of the Lord and with other believers. And it's the best place to be. Would you do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes? And I'm going to do just what I did last week. If you weren't here, I'm going to sh- I'll make, help you to understand why it's so important that you close your eyes. And if I look around and I see your eyes open, I'll just please ask you to close your eyes. You know why? Because I'm asking, I want to ask people to be very personal in a minute. And it's not fair to them that you would be peeking. It's not your business. So if you would just submit to the pastor, it's an act of submission, and close your eyes. I mean, I'm at the ministry team. The eyes are closed. Jeff, everybody, just me, just me and God. And this is because this is very serious. We're starting a new year. And God wants to do some miraculous things this year. But he wants us to start out this year with great faith that we can speak it as well with my soul. And this morning, you may have walked in these doors and everything was It was anything but being well with your soul. Your life has been turned upside down. Your marriage, your children, your fine. It it doesn't matter. But you couldn't say, Pastor, it is well with my soul. Because there's a battle raging, and man, you've been losing that battle with with the Spirit of God. If you're here this morning, and you're that person that couldn't say, it is well with my soul, I want to ask you to do something that's going to take some Courage for you. But nobody's looking. And I will never approach anybody after church and say, I saw your hand, you didn't come forward. I never would do that in a thousand years unless the Holy Spirit told me to. But if you're here this morning and you can't say, it is well with my soul, you're struggling, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick and then put it right back down. Real quick, all over the place. And you are not alone. 
If you could just see, there's just so many hands up in this place. You can put your hands down now. Thank you, Lord, for people being honest. That's one of the things you require of us, that you really want us to be as honest. So this morning, for every person that raised your hand, this is my invitation, that you would step out as an act of faith and come forward and let one of these people or this prayer team up here pray for you and just encourage you. And just speak life over you and faith over you. Even right now, just would, just asking you to step out and come. We're not going to sing. We're just you. Just just going to play silent, quietly. Just ask you to step out and come. It's an act of faith, and God honors your acts of faith. Just think about that woman. If I can just get up there and touch the hem of his garment, I don't care what people think. I don't care if you're a deacon in this church or you're. You're a staff member. If, if you're here this morning and you can't say it as well with my soul and you're letting the enemy, the enemy has just been beating the crud out of you, today would be that day you would stay. Man, I need a dose of faith. Cam, I need you up here, brother. All, all the staff, all the staff members. Just come step up here. We need people to pray. We'll get to you, so don't, don't turn around and leave. Just come on up. Rudy, could you guys move over here to the middle so they can see you? They can't see you guys over there that, that need prayer. Rudy, could you? Rudy. Don't you want to leave here today with a fresh awareness of who Jesus is in you? say without question pastor it's well with my soul it's well with my soul maybe you don't even know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior today would be your day I promise you when you leave you can say it is well with my soul you need prayer for anything for healing for salvation for the baptism for a fresh infilling. You got gems right over here to pray. Don't be picky about who prays for you. They hear from the Holy Spirit. They'll just they'll pray for you as they're directed by the Spirit. Josh, I'm so glad you're safe, man. That's awesome. I follow that on Facebook where your ambulance turned over and a lot of prayers. A lot of prayers went up. And you're safe and you're you're okay, right? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All across the room, people are praying. Roy, could you come pray with some folks? And if you see Wes or Joe, where these guys are, we need some more prayer warriors up here. Jason, could you and Chandra come up? You and, you and your wife, come on up, pray. So I'll throw you into the fire, brother. Guys, there's a, a couple right down here that can pray with you. So if y'all just make your way over the sky in the orange shirt. CJ and Samantha, 
I want to throw y'all in the fire too today. Come on. Can y'all come pray for some people? These are new workers in our youth and our children's ministry. And they love Jesus. So they just can impart faith to you today. You guys, Samantha, you and CJ, can y'all come right over here? some people right over here that can pray for you guys you ladies if, you, if you're free to pray with somebody on the praise, on the ministry team can y'all raise your hands okay we've got another couple here down here that can pray for you Margie and Mario God is good isn't he Jeff down this way, right here, this guy with a ponytail, he can pray, Diana's available to pray with somebody, Jim's available, don't leave today unless you just walk out those doors, you say it is well with my soul, going down this way, there's a couple right there that can pray with you. lift your hand up don't be embarrassed to come forward for prayer when I was a kid I was at the altar I think every Sunday asking the Lord to save me <laughs> you know I didn't understand grace I didn't understand how I was covered but I just knew I needed to get down there and, and, and talk with Jesus people pray for me that's what they that's what this ministry team does they just think they're going to encourage you they're not going to ask you your life story Jesus didn't qualify Jairus and say, well, what do you do for a living? And I don't know if I can come to your house or not. I don't know if I'm welcome. He just went. If you need prayer this morning for anything, start the year out right. Start the year out right.
Last call. You need prayer. I want to let the ministry team sit down if, if you don't come. Okay. Okay, you guys can go ahead and sit. If you're not praying with anybody, go ahead and be seated if you're not praying with anybody. with you, Chloe. Pastor Cam? Okay. Chloe Hart? Chloe, raise your hands. Can you wave your hand? See her right over here by Casey? Chloe gave her life to Jesus Christ this morning. Woo! Brother Cam prayed with her, so we'll follow up with her on baptism, okay? That's awesome. What a way to start the year. What a way to start the year. You got Thank you all for the extra. I had to bring in the reserves. Ha, ha, ha.